0: Hello and welcome to another podcast from FantasyFootballScout.co.uk My name is David and today we are going to have another audio-only episode of Stats of the Day having a look at some of the most influential numbers that have come out of the Game Week 10 matches that we've had played so far. Now, game week 10 is a bit of a strange one. We've got a very odd fixture list for this one. Uh, So we had Crystal Palace uh, losing 2-1 at home to Spurs on Friday night. Chelsea versus Brentford. Arsenal versus Sheffield United. Bournemouth versus Burnley. and Wolves versus Newcastle are the only games uh, that played on Saturday. So that means if you want any information on West Ham versus Everton, Villa against Luton, Brighton against Fulham, Liverpool against Forest, and Man United against Man City, then FPL winners with Ali and Gianni is going to be able to bring you a little bit more detail on those games. They are recording on Sunday evening after those matches have taken place so as per usual with stats of the day we're just going to focus on some of the most important lines that have come out of the Saturday games and of course with it being a Friday night deadline this week as well we'll also take a look at what happened at Selhurst Park as well. So it's in South London where we shall begin with this particular episode, where of course Tottenham won 2 1, and we still, despite this being a harder fixture for Postacogli's men, saw attacking returns for Madison and Son. Now, in truth, it wasn't a particularly amazing game, and I have to say, as someone who sold Son for this match, I was feeling fairly confident that I was going to get the outcome that I wanted from this game until, of course, he popped up in the second half, grabbed himself a goal. And unfortunately, uh, Spurs conceding that clean sheet also meant that his goal, uh, Son's goal, uh, was then the winning goal. And therefore, that um, gave him even more bonus points as well. Uh, So, yeah, not a great one for those of us who sold Son. However, I kind of still feel relatively... um, Yeah, um confident that I made the right decision on on this one just based around the fact that Spurs were limited more than usual and it wasn't the best performance we've seen from there. It wasn't bad either. And of course, uh, they are showing that they are a really good team that can dig out a positive result even from not actually necessarily playing as well uh, as per usual. But yes, it was a game where the XG for both teams was particularly low. So Crystal Palace was 0.61. Spurs was 1.12. And there was actually nobody in this match who managed to register more than two shots uh, on goal as well. So it's what I mean in terms of whilst it's frustrating that Son did get a goal. Um, and of course, it's great for those of you out there who held the faith with so well done uh, to you guys um, it wasn't too far off being a game where perhaps it, it ended up being you know um, a decision that made some sense uh, so the players that had two shots in this game most of them were Palace players so uh, one of them was uh, was Wacky Anderson, we had, had two, Edward had two, Joel Ward had two and of course <laughs> one at the other end of the pitch as well ended up being an own goal. Madison and Son both had two shots uh, on goal respectively both of their shots Uh, So all four of the shots that they combined for were all in the box, but only one of them was a big chance. That was for Son. Only one of them was on target. Of course, that was the goal as well. No shots on target for Madison. So as I said, this wasn't exactly a game where Son was, was tearing up and causing the defense huge, huge problems. Um, and of course, they're up against Chelsea next to obviously have lost against Brentford, but their defence has been quite mean so far this year. So it's entirely possible we see another match like this one. Now, I suppose that the numbers that are coming out of this one, there's two ways you can look at it. It's probably going to be polarised by what you did with Son this week. Obviously, I'm a Son seller. So I look at that and think, well, didn't exactly run away as a goal threat in this particular match. Only touched the ball in the box twice the whole match. Um, you know, I, I made the right decision in selling him because I, I, ho- I hoped and expected this game was going to be low scoring. It kind of was. Uh, the other way around of looking at it if you still hold son despite this despite these numbers dropping down he's still finding a way to find the back of the net because you know he's a he's a ruthless striker so Unfortunately, your, your your take on these numbers is probably going to be coloured by what you did with Son, um, and it's hard to know exactly which of those two camps of schools of thought is is true. But we'll know more about the. Uh, you know, I think we're going to find out more about whether or not selling Son, uh, perhaps to get to one of these other midfielders, was a right decision. You know, perhaps when we've seen the Liverpool game, uh, but then also uh, with the Chelsea game next week. Um, you know, are we going to see Spurs struggle in front of goal as much as we saw them struggle in this one? Um, then uh, let's look at uh, creation in this game then yeah because again we we saw a similar story in that the the player who created the most chances in this game not a Spurs player it was Will Hughes with four Brennan Johnson and Madison tied uh, Spurs two uh, most persistent creators in this game with two chances created each which again isn't really very many so what I did have a look at was comparing the first nine ma- uh, game weeks for Son and for Madison with the most recent match just to show that there was a drop off in some of those underlying numbers which is not to be is not unexpected in Anyway, because we have been saying for a long time, Crystal Palace are a good defense and if anyone was going to make it difficult for Spurs to score it was going to be them so we'll start with Son um in game weeks one to nine he was averaging 6.6 touches in the penalty box per match he just touched it in the box twice against Palace 2.9 attempts on goal so let's call that three per game just two against Palace um the um, amount in the box actually is the same across both periods so he was kind of still largely in line there but in terms of shots on target 1.4 uh, per game just one per game uh, in this one um so yeah that's, that's Son and then we'll look at we'll look at distribution as well as goal threat for Madison because of course we, we have him in our teams for, for chances created and to be fair he got himself an assist so thank you very much uh, for that uh, goal attempts in the box again same story 3 per game for Madison up until now just the 2 um, in total and then whether or not it, the shot was in the box um, it's dropped down as well shots on target 1.7 to 0 uh, and then in that distribution as well he's created 3 chances per game so far this season and just 2 against Crystal Palace so these numbers kind of affirm, I think, people who move those players on. like, Yes, it's annoying that they got something, but it is Chelsea next who really, really do need to get a result after losing to Brentford and defensively haven't been too bad this season. The second goal they conceded against Brentford, of course, is situational. It came uh, when they were really chasing the game in the last few minutes of the match uh, and they had more efforts on goal than Brentford did. So, yeah, I do kind of feel like the Spurs' assets may still... Uh, have a difficult time next week and so the true test over whether or not selling either of them was the right decision is obviously going to depend on who you got them in as a replacement Uh, but then also yeah this Chelsea game is is a bit of a flying ointment for, for Spurs especially so yeah that's the takeaway for them but we also have to talk about Crystal Palace and especially talk about Joachim Anderson who just continues to be a fantastic asset this season uh, I've, I've had him since game we one and I've been really enjoying owning him although it is uh, a poison chalice at times because once again I actually benched him for this one and one of the reasons I took a minus four uh, was to do uh, Son to Saka uh, to do Umbermo to Matoma, and then uh, Bottman to that they didn't have to start Anderson against Spurs and once again it proved to be quite a poor decision because uh, Anderson did get uh, an assist now he did get booked so it is actually only three points which actually isn't uh, a huge amount to miss out on because he obviously also lost uh, one point for Palace conceding two, but he continues to be a fantastic player, and whilst people are out there perhaps looking for replacements for their cheap defenders, I do think that Crystal Palace. You have to keep looking at them. Johnston is, uh, of course, going to um, catch the eye for a lot of people because you could just set and forget him as a goalkeeper. Uh, but the thing with uh, with Anderson, he just offers he just offers so much additional uh, potential. Now, first things first, we we'll obviously start with the Crystal Palace fixtures, which are still really good over the next six. Uh, they are top of the season ticker. Oh, sorry, second top of the season ticker for defensive potential. Uh, Now they've got that Spurs game out of the way, they really bump up. So we've got Burnley away, Everton at home, Luton away, West Ham away, Bournemouth at home, five of their next six before they then host Liverpool in game week 16. Uh, And of course, if you've got one of their defenders in the cheaper bracket, you can, of course, perhaps maybe rotate them out of your team uh, in game week 16 when Brighton, for example, face Burnley. Um... And you've also got Man City facing Luton, Um, you've got Liverpool facing Crystal Palace, Um, Brentford against Sheffield United. There's some decent fixtures for cheap defenders uh, in that game where you could rotate in and out with Anderson. And yeah, as I said, uh, what we saw of Anderson in the game on Friday night was was really positive. And the numbers also look good for him as well. So he was one of those many Crystal Palace players who had two shots apiece in that match, whilst two shots apiece... Feels like not very much for Son and Madison. Of course, for a centre-back, it is quite good. Two shots in the box for him as well. Both of them headers, always a presence at set pieces and actually very good at putting the ball in the box as well. Uh, He created one chance in this game. He, of course, uh, uh, got an assist for the goal as well. Um, And so, yeah, he just looks like a fantastic player uh, to own, to be honest. Uh, Only two Crystal Palace Palace players in this game had more touches in the box than him. And he's got three attacking returns so far. And at the time of recording, only Trippier has more points amongst defenders. So he is uh, really looking like a great player to have. Now, of course, the question comes, if you don't already own him and you have an opening, 4.9 might be too much at this point in time. Uh, you know, there are cheaper alternatives at Crystal Palace. Uh, if you are looking for one of the colleagues at Gaye is 4.5. Of course, so the goalkeeper is Johnston as well. He's 4.5. Um, he only came out of this game with one point, unfortunately. Um, but those fixtures are kind. Those fixtures, you would expect them to keep clean sheets. So if you can afford to get to Anderson, you can afford that luxury, then I think he is going to reward you. Um, but outside of that, I think Gaye and Johnston also worth considering as well. Now let's talk about the lunchtime game. Right, Chelsea, uh, another negative result for them for this season losing 2-0 at home to Brentford uh, in a game where to be honest in the first half and uh, large portions of the, s- the second half I, I felt that they were a the better team Chelsea and uh, were going to be able to eventually put away one of the many chances they spurned and, and win the game but it was uh, not to happen uh, because of course Ethan Pinnock scored in the 58th minute and Brian Umbermo got a- another goal in the 96th and I have to start with Umbermo because uh, I've just talked about having sold Son and him do a madness and uh, I've sold him as well. And he's done exactly the same thing. And listening to the game on the radio, I kind of, I didn't hear his name enough times for me to be too worried. And I have to say that there is a definitely a situational element about that final goal. But um, Burmo scored of course, because it came as Sanchez went up for a corner when Chelsea were chasing the game. So, you know, it's not going to be too many times when a is going to come up against that kind of fortunate situation. Um, However, having looked at some of the stats after the game, I am... I am nervous again. <laughs> I am nervous about Umbermo because Umbermo did finish this match with more shots than any other player. All of them were in the box. A uh, total of four. Uh, two big chances, two on target, uh, an assist and a goal for him today. So that's two games in a row where he's got double-figure hauls. Now, you may be sitting there going, why has he sold him after a double-figure haul against Burnley? Well, it's because it was Burnley. And I felt that this Chelsea defence was going to make life a little bit tougher for Umbermo. Um, however, you know, you've got West Ham next. The defence has been pretty leaky this, uh, this year. Liverpool and Arsenal in game weeks 12 and 13 is making me feel like... Maybe over a four-game week period, my replacement Matoma is actually going to outscore him. Fingers crossed on that one. But obviously, Matoma has some work out for him now. It's game week 14 against Luton, where I'm looking at as an opportunity to get back onto him. game week 16, uh, Brentford go to Sheffield United away, and um, yeah, it, it's worth being aware of the fact that Emburmo's numbers are improving back up to the number we saw numbers we sort at of start at the start of the season because I think we have to have him on our radar as someone to bring in around game week 14 for those fixtures when they get much nicer. Um, what we'd seen. Uh, In the sort of uh, aftermath of them losing Rico Henry to injury, uh, the uh, attacking numbers for Umberma dropped off. He was sort of uh, um, less involved in games. And, you know, the service to him wasn't as good. You know, Rico Henry, of course, is a... It's a very big loss of them at left back. This seemed to be Brentford finding a way to sort of, you know, get by without him now uh, and get into a bit more rhythm. Because yeah, in the last game it was six shots from Burmo which uh, you know in isolation you could have turned around and said, well, it's only Burnley. But four match, uh, uh, four shots in this match against Chelsea, all of them in the box, two big chances, two on target. He's topped all of those stats um, against the Chelsea team that has been quite mean so far this season. Uh, that that we got to take notice of that. We absolutely have to take notice of, of of that, and maybe we can turn around and say it wasn't just the Burnley factor that helped uh, Umbermo get a big haul um, in game week nine. So yeah, very nervous uh, there. He had only, he only created one chance in this match, but it was big. Uh, of course, it was for, for Pinnock, um, and yeah, of course it was a goal. Now we should also talk about Chelsea here as well. Um, their fixtures obviously continue to be really difficult. So you know, this is really information for you to store away uh, and keeping your back pocket ready for game week 16 because in the next five it's Spurs away, Man City at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home, Man United away and then it's Everton away in game week 6 and then a very long run of really nice fixtures uh, after that point in time and I have to say once again um, Palmer absolutely the best Chelsea player on the pitch for most of the game. He sort of flagged a bit in the second half, he could perhaps put that down to uh, to his his age uh, and his lack of experience in this match in the sense that Chelsea were becoming frustrated and he perhaps allowed his head to drop sooner than some of the uh, more experienced figures in that team. Uh, but certainly for the vast majority of this game he was the one running the show uh, comparisons with James Madison on the radio um, suggestions that you know he's really pulling the strings and and being a central figure for them and uh, that's reflected in the stats as well four chances created for palmer in this match that's uh, uh, actually double uh, about five six players tied in joint second place for key passes in this match so he really was very very central uh, in terms of the goal threat uh, it not he didn't do perform quite so well in this area just two shots in this game one in the box no big chances none on target but certainly he's showing that he can have goal threat in some games and, and, and assist potential in other games. Uh, some other games it's vice versa, some games it's both. A couple of times in the game they had potential penalty shouts that none of them I feel were, were particularly strong cases for a spot kick. But, you know, on other days may, may well have been given and of course he is still on those penalties. But my point here is really that a lot of people are sort of biding their time on Palmer and i'm certainly binding my time on palmer in the expectation i probably will sign him again week 16 but there's just a, there's a school of thought out there that we we're not sure if he's definitely nailed in the team i think every time chelsea take to the field uh, palmer becomes even more nailed because he just is performing really really well and is uh, looking like a player who is yeah comfortable in this team and for the most part a bit of a leader Perhaps maybe um, needs a bit of encouragement to keep going when things are not going their way in the in the back end of this game. Um, because, yeah, there, there did seem to be a point in this game where Chelsea, you could tell they just knew they weren't going to get a goal uh, that day. So that's something he's going to have to work on. And certainly these fixtures are going to be a baptism of fire for him because, as we've already said, they're really hard fixtures over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, when they do ease up, I do think that the floodgates are going to open and I think they're all going to, I think uh, Palmer's going to be the bottleneck because every game, I feel like every time we do these stats of the day, every time we have a look uh, at Palmer um, in a match, eye test he's passed it, stats he's passed it too. So it's just another example of that this week. And finally, a look at the Arsenal win over Sheffield United. It was, caused course, 5-0 to the Gunners in the end in perhaps one of the most one-sided Premier League games uh, of the modern era, to be honest, because the uh, XG at the end of this match was 2.7 in Arsenal's favour, 0.03 for the Blades. Um, and in the end, uh, David Rare didn't even have a single save to make. And I have to say, uh, you probably guessed it by now, having listened to me talk about Son, uh, this was a deeply frustrating one for those of us who either own Saka or... Uh, Bent our team a little bit out of shape to bring him in and captain him uh, because, yeah, we feel like we've got something right here. We anticipated a big Arsenal win. That's exactly what we got. It was 5-0. Uh, they even got a penalty in this match and Saka's only come away with an assist. Uh, and I have to say, now looking at the numbers, um, there's really not much to write home about either, despite them. Um, Arsenal really dominating the game. Saka had no shots on goal in this one created just one opportunity um, and came away with one assist as well so hmm, a little bit annoying and perhaps those who have him maybe in terms of hoping for more you got Newcastle next week might be a bit sort of concerned a couple of mitigating uh, circumstances which I don't think we necessarily could have completely expected although some people did mention this so it's, it's not completely unexpected but we felt was improbable that there would be an Arsenal team that was um, five changes uh, to it from uh, the midweek team. So they were missing some key personnel, Odegaard wasn't there, for example, and a couple of others. Uh, and so, you know, it, t- it took them a little bit of a while to get up to speed in this one. Um, of course, uh, just one nil at half time, um, and they were struggling to actually um, put the ball in the goal. I think that the changes to the team were part of that, and uh, therefore Saka's role within the team, perhaps a little bit different, and of course... Maybe a little bit exhausted as well, played a lot of football, not been entirely fit, which I always knew was a risk going into this one with the captaincy. Um, And so, yeah, it's disappointing, but I think looking back on the decision... um Taking out someone going up against Crystal Palace's defence, as we've already talked about, and bringing in someone going up against the Sheffield United defence, which clearly is still terrible because it conceded five goals, um, is not the worst thing to have done, uh, to be honest. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Burnley game again with 12 still also looks good for an Arsenal captain option uh, after that Newcastle one. Uh, but in terms of uh, who performed well in this one, of course, it was Eddie Nketiah. So well done to Praz, who, of course, had him on his wildcard. Uh, he finished this game with four shots uh, on goal, three of them in the box, two big chances, three on target. That's better than anyone else. Now, interestingly enough, whilst Arsenal did dominate this game for shots, Nketiah is really the only one who stood out uh, like a steeple on the horizon, uh, because everybody else really just had one shot. We had Tommy who had two, and he's got his first Arsenal goal, so uh, congratulations to him. Uh, But we had Havertz, Martinelli, Rice, Smith-Rowe, Fabio Vieira, Ben White, Zinchenko, um, uh, all tied on one shot apiece for... um, for Arsenal, and then Hamer and McAtee had a shot each, uh, not on target. As previously mentioned, no saves for for Rare to make. But everybody had a go, and then there was Nketu who had four. And everybody else really just had one shot, with the exception of Tommy Essu. So um, not too much to really glean from that, as I said, with this being a game where lots of, uh, of the B team came in. Um, it's hard to get too excited about anyone other than Ketty, who we'll talk about in just a second. Martinelli topped this game for key passes with three. Uh, he then had Havertz, Rice, Saka, Smith-Rose and Chenko uh, all on one apiece uh in that regard. So um yeah as I said not much to learn other than Eddie and Katu which who we do have to talk about the hat trick definitely wasn't uh undeserved or in any way sort of fluky. He finished this game top as we said for all those goal threat statistics. He was also top for expecting goal involvement as well. Uh, of course there was some overperformance here by about 2.02 goals but if you've not seen the goals he scored in this one uh, <laughs> uh, then do watch them because uh, one of them in particular is pretty good and is very much an XG overperformance. Uh, we know he's got quality so you shouldn't be too shocked that he's done that the question of course just becomes you know how long is jesus out for how much of an how long can we actually have him as a potential asset to, to get excited about and we do really need to wait and see on jesus we think it's we're hearing it's a few weeks the current date on the site is for his return is the 11th of november unfortunately that is when arsenal do host burnley so signing eddie and ketia for a trip to newcastle is probably not This most sensible move because we know Newcastle's defence is very good this year. And then by the 11th of November when they host Burnley, Arsenal, it's possible Jesus is back and maybe Nketiah goes back down to the bench. Do keep an eye on Arteta's fitness updates in the upcoming press conferences because they will give you an accurate idea, you know, ongoing tracking this Jesus injury so we know when he's back. Because if you get some kind of setback and he's out for a few months or there's an operation that triggers that kind of lengthier delay, Then based on today's performance, then Nketiah is definitely worth thinking about with that Burnley match in mind. So, yeah, um, he's probably the biggest takeaway from this particular game. So hopefully this podcast has been helpful for you. As I said, uh, a little bit less detailed than usual today because there simply just wasn't that many matches on Saturdays and uh, very few also that had massive FPL um, relevance as well. The Bournemouth-Burnley game, of course, uh, also took place. Bournemouth getting their first win of the season. Really hard to get too excited about any assets from those two teams yet, uh, Bournemouth and Burnley. Um, If you do want to find out the statistical um, analysis of that one, then do head to the Fantasy Football Scout members area and head to the Match Centre and you can see uh, who were the key key players in that one and of course if uh, that you'll need a membership to get to that um, stage of the members area if you haven't signed up already you can now sign up for 20% off Um, and so yeah head to the website and find which of the packages uh, suits your needs the best and sign up for one of those but with that I shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your weekend and I shall see you next time goodbye